Welcome to Revere Assets, Your Money, with Danny Stewart. You never know how far the stock is going to go down. Tim Razor. Danny knows I'm a geek for all of this stuff. And Don Vandenborg. Telling it like it is. If you're seeking the best stock knowledge this side of Wall Street, you've come to the right place. I'm sorry, did I steal your stuff? No, you didn't steal any thunder. Who's handling this segment? (laughs) For the next hour, Danny, Tim, and Don will be talking investing. Investing is 90% psychological, and I love that. Trades. The market will usually overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And dumpster fires. Because it doesn't matter what you think or what I think, and it matters even less what Danny thinks. And now, here's your hosts... Danny, Tim, and Don. Hello and welcome everyone to the three-day weekend. We have a new holiday. Joe Biden just signed into law the Juneteenth holiday. So we have a three-day weekend this weekend. And in response, I'm wearing my 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 favorite Fiesta shirt, Looking my holiday, my, my lively shirt I only wear for special occasions and for holidays and parties and fiestas. And therefore, I'm wearing it. And so everybody have a great three-day Holloway. Uh, Holloway. Holiday weekend, and, 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 now that the Fed is out of the way with no rate hike, we can enjoy the holiday, right? Right? Yes. Or, 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 there's hackers in the EU, and now we think they might be in the U.S. trying to hit our infrastructures. The Fed is talking about raising rates twice again by the end of the year. Or is there some other black swan we don't know about? Hence the name black swan. Now, the big question is, too extended. Are we too extended or not? And are we too narrow with just some big tech titans? Or is the marketing market expanding and getting more breadth? I mean, that is the debate galore. Everybody's debating that. Articles on both sides flying around. And I have put in our show notes, kind of both articles gone, kind of going both ways. And look, take it with tongue in cheek. A lot of the articles I put up on the show notes are a little bit you know, bombat. I mean, they're, they're for advisors. They're actually for advisors, not for the retail public. And some of it's good. Some of it's about tax planning and, 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 and new, new rules or stuff coming down the pike. But a lot of it is about how to manage you, the client, how to pamper your emotions and how to put you in a pie chart and buy their funds at their marketing. So it's not all good. But in any event, all the articles lately have been talking about why we're either going to go down 20% or we're going to rally from here. And we're going to talk about that. Now, whatever your fears, so remember all these things, you've heard the old adage, the market climbs a wall of worry. Whatever your fears, the markets are acting right right now regardless of what you think, regardless of whether you're scared or not, and regardless of your time horizon. The market doesn't care about you or your time horizon. The market's on its own time horizon. Now, I'm not saying your time horizon is not important. You need to dovetail your time horizon with the market's time horizon and try to be in lockstep with the market or bifurcate from the market if it's doing very poorly. But but the market time horizon trumps your time horizon, meaning you may have to adjust or move, change your portfolio if things get bad. But anyway, that's where we are. Um, 
Now, Kathy Woods just bought a bunch of Meta, Meta, you know, Facebook, the old Facebook. So my question is, is it time to sell if she's loading up the boat? Um, where is that article that I just saw? I want to bring that up is, uh, oh, yes, J.P. Morgan Palm Reading. They're bond palm reading. Palm reading. Yeah, palm, well, bond, yeah, they're, 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 they're forecast. Every time I hear the word podcast, I think of palm reading. Yeah. So whenever you hear the word forecast, people, think of going to the palm reader. How many of you go to the palm reader? Well, that's, that's what you're getting. Now, um, I'm going to quickly hit the highlights of this. Uh, stocks drop 20% if bonds have inflation right. Uh, everybody, nor most people, the bond market is much bigger than the stock market. And most people think the bond market is usually more accurate than stocks. But it says a widening disconnect in stocks and bonds suggests a 20% downside risk for equities. Folks, let me give you a little hint. There's always a 20% downside risk in equities if you don't have a sell discipline. Sometimes it's just more acute than others and there's higher risk, but the risk is always there. Anyway, suggest a 20% downside risk in equities if bonds prove correct in pricing inflation and vol inflation volatility. Bond market is still pricing sustained period of elevated macroeconomic uncertainty, which again, there's always macroeconomic uncertainty, and some modest decline. And there's even been some modest decline in the past three months. That's in, in rates, in, in interest rates. Meaning if interest rates are coming down, that means bonds are saying the, the economy is going to be soft. We're going into recession. Therefore, you can have rates decline. If we're, if we're going into a growth period, rates will stay up because the demand for money is strong and people are borrowing money so they can price for more money. Okay, now it says, by contrast, the equity markets looked priced for perfection with the S&P now above fair value estimate um, um, looking through the rise in macroeconomic volatility. All they're saying here is that the S&P is fully priced and has to, the market's got to hit on all cylinders and, and deliver this expansion that the markets are pricing in. Otherwise, we could be in trouble. You know what? I agree with all of that. The markets basically this said if I mean did you see hear all those disclaimers in there if the bonds do this if stocks do that exactly we don't know what's going to happen stocks may go down twenty percent they also may go up twenty percent what's your plan now right now it looks like stocks want to go higher before they go lower but that's one reason you need a plan anyway it says. Investors have also been blindsided uh, by the currency market. The dollar has largely maintained its strength. And folks, that's pretty good. Stocks have been doing well in spite of the dollar uh, being, you know, being decently strong. Um, the S&P has entered a bull market uh, just for the first time. But uh, central banks in Australia and Canada surprised uh, people by actually raising. Now, whole point is. They're saying that if bonds are right, stocks are going down 20%. Folks, stocks are going to go down 20% at some point. Hell, they're going to go down 35 or 40% at one point. I don't know when, but I'll see it when it starts to accelerate, and I'll take action then. Okay, also, crypto regulation is coming. They are coming hard, and they are going to force crypto brokerage houses, custodians, and people that talk, advise people on crypto to become advisors. 
If you're going to advise people on crypto, they want you to become advisors. And by the way, they're also coming out with new AI regulations. They're going to come out and tell us what we need to do around AI. And of course, we're going to talk us, Revere, we're going to talk about AI and big tech um, because we want to see if, if, um, um, if, 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 if they're going to be in the, so the AI regulation is going to be whether or not you're in the approved assets. They want to make sure the regulators want to make sure that you're in these environmentally green assets. But here's the question I have, forget all the regulation, forget all that stuff. Is big tech and is AI strong enough? Cause that's the strongest part of the market right now. That's what's holding the market up. Is it creating more breath in small cap and mid mid cap? So can it propel the markets to a broader expansion? We're going to dive really deep in that topic because that's really important right now at this pivot point in the markets. But first, we got to give the disclaimer, folks, listen, don't just go out and buy something because some really good, handsome, very smart, intelligent, El Guapo guy on, on the radio tells you to, to do something. Okay, go do your own research. And if you want some individual investment advice, reach out to me or Don. And um, you can email either of us, Don at revereasset.com or Dan at revereasset.com. And you can also call us old school at 855-REAL-WEALTH. But you can go to Revere Asset and go up in the contact button in the right top page. And there's a subscribe button. You'll get our these uh, podcasts and our daily market insight videos we do every night. The market's open. And we won't spam you or reach out to you. But next to that is a contact button. And you, it'll send an email directly to me. And you can talk, ask for a complimentary portfolio review or you just want to have a stock you want us to talk about. Okay. Now, I want to get into the mailbag first because that dovetails into what we're going to talk about in the markets. And then we're going to go straight into the markets. Okay. All right. And by the way, all those little topics that I did, did drive-bys on, like what are your fears? The market's going down 20%. Kathy Woods buying um, uh, Meta. Those are all on the show notes. You can go read all of that. Okay. So I, I don't want to dive deep in that and grind the show to a halt. All right. Mailbag. This is from KC out in California. Hi, Don. Great trading week as, and as always, great video content. I'm looking at charts this morning. Was curious if for some reason you stayed away from Apple. It has had a very nice clean run since the 8 EMA, exponential moving average, 8 and 21 EMA sliced through the 50, simple moving average, back in late January. I know we can't be in every stock, but was just curious if you'd looked in this and decided not to trade it for a reason. Hope you were having an awesome week. Uh, Don, hi, CK. Apple has been on our universe list for months. We strongly considered it around $172 a share after earnings, but other stocks took precedent. In particular, those with the AI angle like NVIDIA, Microsoft, Google, and Meta. If you look at the relative strength line, Apple is near even with the S&P since its earnings gap. Um, it's up 4.25 versus 3.93 on the S&P. So it's not meeting our desired goal of uh, two times the S&P. We're not missing out on anything by owning it outright because we do own a large position indirectly via SSO. Thanks for reaching out, Don. So SSO is the double S&P ETF. The reason we use a double is it frees up cash to let us have stuff available for other things. So you just cut your position in half. If you want 20% S&P, you can just buy 10% of SSO. It's just a more sophisticated way of doing it. Now, 
What Don is saying, though, is that in that S&P ETF, Apple is Apple's the biggest company in the world still, I think. I think it's still the biggest, largest cap. I don't think one of the other companies is over. To, they jockey back and forth occasionally. But so if you own the S&P, your biggest holding in that is Apple. So if you and it's it's there, the S&P is market cap weighted. So Apple is much, 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 much bigger and has more influence on the S&P than the last hundred stocks combined. Let me repeat that. Apple is going to have much more influence than the bottom hundred. Uh, so if you've got a 20 percent position in the S&P, I'd have to go back and do the math, but I would guesstimate that you probably have about a 3% or something like that position in Apple. Maybe not quite that much, but it's going to be, it's going to be some um, um, exposure. All right. All right. So that's, that's that answer. Um, you don't, you don't, do you want to comment on any of that, Don, or is that, that's pretty good self-explanatory? Yeah, I think you covered it. Very yeah. well, Dan. It was your answer, so take credit. All right. TW. Hi, guys. Hope all is well. Do you have recommendations to monitor upcoming IPOs, initial public offerings, new new stocks when they come public? Interested in keeping track of these. I never play them on open, but I like to put some risk on uh, these initial, in, once initial sellers exhaust. Thanks, TD, uh, TW. Don. TW, I'm going to recommend a book on IPO trading. It fits with our straight. Uh, it fits with our strategy of being patient until an IPO forms its base. As an alternative, so in other words, it goes public. Normally, it'll get if it's even a hot issue. A lot of IPOs just go straight down when they first um, become public. But if it's an IPO worth owning, those are called oversubscribed or hot issues that people want. A lot of times, it'll pop for a day or two. And then it forms a deep bowl. And then once it's coming up the right side of the bowl, that's a much lower risk entry. Don will talk about that more in a minute. But that's what I'm oversimplifying. But that's what Don is saying there. Now, he said, alternatively, if you're anxious to get in, is to wait for the very first pullback to the eight exponential moving average. Don put these in capitals. Next sentence. Do not overstay if it's not working. Folks, there's a a term in, in 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 with with gap stocks with gappers. It's called gap and crap. So a lot of stocks will gap and crap. They'll gap up and just roll right back over and go down. You want the ones that'll gap and hold, and then they'll go further up. Okay. So when if you're gonna play stocks that gap, IPOs fall in that. So you have earning surprises that cause stocks to gap, and then you have IPOs. Anyway. It's a do not overstay if it's not working. Now, the book is The Lifestyle Trade, How to Win at Trading IPOs and Super Gross Stocks. Now, I put this in the show notes. So if you go to the show notes, that, uh, that link to the Amazon, Don put a, a link to Amazon where you can go buy the book for, you know, whatever, 12 bucks or whatever it is. Um, it, it's in the show notes if you want to do that. Okay. Then Connor, uh, he also emailed Connor. Connor weighed in and said, hey, TW, thanks for reaching out and hope all is well. I use the upcoming IPO calendar on the NASDAQ. Um, this shows all the new ones coming out with the dates. Also, most main financial news services will cover ones such as the big ones, such as Kava today. This was yesterday, day before. Um, it's NASDAQ.com backslash market slash activity slash IPOs. That link is also in the show notes. So you got two really good um, um, 
uh, uh, resources. Number one, a list to find out where the new IPOs on the NASDAQ are coming out. And then a book on how to handle them when they do come out. So with that, I want now, unless Don, you want to comment on any of that IPO stuff. Uh, with that, I want to turn it over to you guys and dive straight into the markets because we've seen just in the last couple of weeks, this is, seems like it's, it feels different. This market feels very different than just a month or two, especially two or three months ago. Don? Yeah. It, Zach, can you show the screen? Absolutely. So there's two things we mentioned. One is the, uh, is the book, obviously. The second one is we wait for a base. So a, a good example, this wasn't a pure IPO, this was a, a spinoff, but an example of an IPO base happened with GE Healthcare uh, late last year, early this year. You can see it forming this uh, kind of pseudo cup and handle base before it broke out. So this breakout from the first base and then it ran from about 68 up to 87. Uh, the, the thin purple line here is, uh, the ADMA, that's if you really wanted to get in quickly. But when, when an IPO it comes out and is quote unquote hot, we, Dan, remember coin, we got a bunch of calls from clients absolutely wanting to get into it. Yep. Uh, Kava fits that bill. Kava's called the, uh, the Mediterranean Chipotle. And it, this is its second day of trading. Uh, you can see the first day. It, and it actually priced at 22, but it opened up almost double that at 42. So it intraday, it formed a little bit of a cup. It made a higher high yesterday. So people might think, oh, I got to get into this. I got to get into this. And then where it closed yesterday, it closed up 90% from the offering price, but down uh, quite a bit from the 48 high of the day. Then it was gapping up this morning and look at how the sellers have just taken over today. Uh, and this is the reason why we wait for that first base to form, preferably at least uh, a couple of weeks, some sort of a, a cup uh, before we would get into these. Coinbase was one that I, I mentioned a bunch of uh, clients wanted to get into this right away. It was very hot. But look look what Coin did. It's never eclipsed the high of, in history ever of its first day trading. So... That lifestyle uh, book that we uh, that we mentioned, they dove. They're growth investors. They followed the William O'Neill concepts. They dove into these. They broke the process of a successful IPO into a bunch of different phases. And Coinbase never exceeded its high of the first day that it ever traded. It made a high of four thirty that day. It's now trading at fifty five dollars. Uh, this was with what the quote unquote hot thing was at the time, you know, a public exchange for trading crypto. Uh, everybody thought it was the next best thing, but you know, it IPO'd at 250. It opened that day, that first day of trading over 300, got as high as 430, tried to form a cup, but failed. Uh, this was a, actually a pretty nice base. It was looking like it might do something, but then the bear market kicked in in 2022. And you can see where, where coin is right now. And that's why we follow the rules that are laid out in that book. Hey, Don, on now, Kava, as as, real yeah. quick, on Kava, where did Kava IPO at? What was the IPO? I'm sorry, I just wanted to. The, the release, the, uh, the IPO price was 22, but 22. it opened at 42. Opened, right. And where is so it now? The night before they price it, 
but then you, you know you look for the equilibrium level yeah. is what the market makers do before they opened it they opened it a little bit before lunchtime today and the demand supply was up at around 40 41 um you know it got as high as 48 on the day now it's down at 38 so you're down uh 20 if you bought near highs of yesterday in a little uh less than 24 hours so this is basically gambling right now um getting into something like this and it's also extremely expensive based on uh, the, the, the amount per location for the number of locations that they have open and for its, uh, market cap, it's pricing them in at like $10 million per location. Whereas a McDonald's is priced at about 2.5 million. Now I know there are different, uh, different categories of, fa of, uh, food restaurants, quite obviously, I don't know what CMG is valued at. Uh, per location, but um, it, it's gambling right now with Kava is uh, the bottom line to us. Well, here's the other thing that people got to realize with IPO, the actual transaction itself. Let's think about this. This is money that private equity and private big angel investors invested in before it's public. And they bring this stock up and they bring this new idea to fruition whether it's good or bad. And then the IPO doesn't have to say it's a good idea. It's just got to give full disclosure. It could be good or bad. It's up to you. But these guys, these guys that are worth hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, these billionaires are bringing the IPO to the public market so they can cash out. So there's asymmetrical information. They know what they're, they're giving to you and you may or may not know. Now, if it's that good of a deal, why are they letting you own it? Why do they want to share it with you? Are they that altruistic? They risked their money. Now they're going to give it. Now I get it that they are trying to make money and they need a liquidity event. And so sometimes they're very good examples of being, taking it liquid, becoming more public. I mean, there are good noble reasons for going IPO also, but everybody, a lot of the retail investors feel like IPO. Ooh, I got to get it. They're all good. Folks, more than 90% of IPOs don't ever make money. They don't make money. They're not good. Don't, there's only a handful that are actually the really good ones. And those are the ones that are oversubscribed. And even those don't normally work out right out of the gate. IPOs, almost always the best way to hold them is to, is to let them go IPO, let them form doing whatever they're going to do, and then pick them up down the road, whether that's two months, three months, or six months, once the chart fixes. Getting out of the gate, like Don said, is absolutely pure gambling, in my opinion. All right, sorry, Don, go ahead. As far as the market goes, uh, if you've been listening to the videos, we're extremely extended on the S&P and the NASDAQ 100. We haven't really made very many trades this week. We uh, got near fully allocated. We've been between 10 and 15% cash over the last couple of weeks. So it's really just a matter of managing our existing positions, raising our stops on them. We had one obvious laggard in the portfolio, uh, Chipotle. I talked about that. It wasn't a laggard from a price standpoint. We sold it for a small gain, but it was a major laggard from a relative strength standpoint. And if you're holding something that where the relative strength is going down, there's an opportunity cost involved in what you could uh, invest that money in. So we moved that over to Celsius yesterday and today uh, as it rested on its 60 minute stochastic. So we took, a, we took an entry there. 
the NASDAQ 100 is near high historical uh, levels of being extended from its 50-day moving average. It's up to 11.3%. On the videos, we put the stop sign up, meaning you're at risk of a harsh pullback. Uh, when it was around 9%, but it just doesn't seem to care. It just keeps chugging higher, and and that's fine. Uh, but as always happens, there will be a correction. The, que the question is whether the correction will occur in through time, which means it goes sideways, and the overbought uh, state that it's in right now slowly gets worked off as the moving averages catch up to the price, or will it be a harsh correction via price, similar to two Wednesdays ago on 6.7, where it was down 1.7%, and it seemed like that day nobody wanted anything to do with AI, but you can see what happened after that day. We've got uh, seven straight positive prints, uh, seven straight positive closes for the NASDAQ 100 since that one shakeout day, so uh, we don't know which way we'll correct, whether it's through time or through price, but we will come back to a more normalized level above the 21 and the 50-day moving averages. What we're looking for is a continuation of money rotating out of tech and into some, uh, some of the uh, industrial sectors, some of the more cyclical sectors, as it's looking like the Fed is being somewhat successful with um, engineering a soft landing. And, and one way to watch this is to monitor two ETFs. There's the high beta ETF, SPHB, has uh, outperformed the S&P 500 in a major way you can see uh, on the as it forms the right side of this cup. And basically this is the highest beta uh, stocks from the S&P 500. On the other hand, SPLV, low volatility, has had a, a serious decline in relative strength uh, over, over while we've had this uh, period of going higher, which really started the first week in May. So we're looking for, and we're getting a little bit of it today, a hookup in the relative strength. So you can see the price going higher on SPLV, but the relative strength is still going lower. So that means you're losing uh, versus the S100 and this for money to start flowing into SPLV. Uh, this is why we hold the SSO, because all of that rotation takes place within the S&P 500 when you move money from one sector to it, or from high beta to low uh, volatility from growth to value, however you want to classify it. The, the S&P 500 catches all those rotations. So if all growth stocks are down on a day, you, uh, you, you'll see a day where the, the S&P 500 is flat. That's telling you that there's just rotation taking place within the S&P 500. And uh, again, that's why we keep SSO. And we're looking for mid caps and small caps to continue to participate. They uh, showed some good relative strength last week or two weeks ago, but uh, not so much this week, uh, just really going sideways. But it's been a decent move uh, off the low since they broke through all of their moving averages. And right now this is just forming the nice right side of a cup base. Uh, both on mid-cap indexes and on IWM, the small-cap indexes. So resting right now, going tight sideways for about eight days. Nothing wrong with that. Pulling back to the ADMA, uh, setting the stage, because you know once you consolidate, you should resolve. The consolidation should resolve in the direction of the primary move, and the primary move on uh, these is up. So you should see two steps up, a step back or a step sideways and then another couple of steps up. So that's what we're watching for. 
Again, we don't ever predict. We interpret what's going on with the market based on price, volume, and relative strength. But right now, uh, I mean, it's a it's a bull market, plain and simple. You've got growth stocks leading. You've got broader participation. It's no longer just seven stocks that were leading the way. Uh, broader participation, growth stocks leading. That's the perfect recipe for the way we uh, we invest. So we got defensive all throughout 2022, protecting capital. While the market uh, was in a bear, it started to come off the bear in uh, January of this year. Uh, it took another leg down, but since the beginning of May, once they got the debt ceiling resolved uh, and AI started coming uh, to fruition as a reliable technology with big growth capabilities, uh, that's been the leading sector in the market, software and uh, semiconductors, and we've been taking advantage of that. Don, I got a quick question. Cause I, I want it. So you made a comment. And I'm trying to help the listeners understand. I mean, the clients that are listeners, they obviously get it because they see in real time what we're doing and they get our, your daily market insight video every night. And so they can match it up with their portfolio. But for people from the outside looking in, um, you made the comment that we're, we, you haven't done many trades this week. Um, you're kind of, and, and basically it's because we're holding Pat because you got fully invested. Our beta is well over one and it's been doing very well. So you don't really have a lot of cash and you're just kind of riding it. So you don't need to do any trades. You may swap one stock out for another, like you talked about Celsius or Chipotle, right? So, the, and that's right. all good. Just little minor tweaks, but right now you're a little bit more on profit watch because the S&P is extended 11%. But what about for the people that were scared that are now sitting too much into cash, FOMO starting to kick in, fear of missing out, and they're going, what the hell, what, what do I do now? How do I get in? So for someone that's underinvested, what would be a reasonable plan? And I know that's hard because, you know, when you're out of sync, it's hard to get in the right sink, right? It's it's always better to just yeah. be in the protect in the right sink. Yeah, I'll talk about one of the techniques that we use when it, when you're looking for a way into leading stocks, and it's the 60 minute stochastic cross. And this is uh, part of what is provided with the Market Smith portfolio that we use. So. Really what we're looking for is just a little bit of a pause in the uptrend. You can see how, here's on a daily chart, you can see how Microsoft just was uh, working its way higher, really riding the ADMA, and then it started to take a break. So we're just going down to the next lowest time frame from daily to 60 minute. And when you see it cross below this over uh, sold indicator, you wait for it to stop going down and then make a hook up. And that corresponded with the bottom in this cup. You can't take a full size position with this, but it's a way to sneak in. And what should happen is what you what exactly you see here is it should work its way up to overbought, then go sideways for a little bit. Uh, if it fails, and a good example of one failing was Chipotle, and this is one of the reasons why we sold it. So we're, we're showing Chipotle uh, here, it tried to make its way up and then it failed and rolled over right away before, once you get above over, um, oversold, you should zoom higher right away. In this case, it, it kind of hiccuped and then it went higher, but while it was going higher, it didn't stay up there as long as it needed to. Once it got into overbought, it rolled over and came down again 
and we showed the relative strength on the daily chart and how this really has just been lagging. So uh, we expected to go, it also got oversold on the daily. We expected it, uh, the stochastic to just keep climbing higher and get back to overbought, but it never did. It rolled back over. So uh, it's just a way of identifying leaders versus laggards, the 60 minute and the daily uh, stochastic for timing entries is, is what we use. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, what's, what's next on the agenda? Let's go to Michael. He's going to uh, uh, open some eyes on his uh, presentation this week. Mike, uh, you want to take it away for us? Yes, I am. Thank you for the kind introduction. Today, uh, something a little different that I haven't spoken about before that is, is very useful and important is the VIX. Um, I just wanted to explain the the vix and sort of how it works a little bit and um as as sort of in a palatable way that that's not overly complicated um so basically the vix it stands for the volatility index and what it is is it's an indication of the 30-day implied volatility that's being priced into the s p 500 index options so those are options on spx and it's called the fear index because of its inverse relationship to the S&P 500. And there are different volatility measures as well. You don't only have a VIX for the S&P. You've got the VVIX, which is the volatility of the VIX index. You've got VXN, which is implied volatility of the NASDAQ 100. RYX, which is the volatility of the Russell index and Russell 2000 and VXD, which is the, the volatility index for the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And the way that it's constructed um, is that it uses the midpoint of the bid and ask for options prices of at the money and out of the money puts and calls. And on rallies, what you'll notice is that call buying on the index does not occur to the same extent as put buying and sell-offs which is why you see a much larger increase in the volatility index on sell-offs. So it all comes down to supply and demand of those, those options. And VIX is described as an annual volatility measure. And volatility is a standard deviation measure. So in order to, to calculate it, it scales with the square root of time. And I'll give you an example. So a VIX reading of 32 implies a daily volatility of 32 divided by the square root of 252 because you've got 252 trading days in the year and it scales with the square root of the time so you have to divide it by the square root of 252 which would give you a reading of 2.016 percent and that would be the implied daily volatility of the index and for quick reference when looking at the vix you can just divide it by 16 to get this daily reading because the square root of 252 is very close to, to 16. It's called the rule of 16. And uh, a misinterpretation of this, um, something that I want to clarify, is that this does not mean that the market is pricing in a 2% daily move. What it means is that a VIX reading of 32 means that the options market is pricing in a 2% standard deviation of return per day. So for example, 68% of returns, which is one standard deviation, will be plus or minus 2% around the expected return of the market. And 
because the expected return is is so slight and you can use the ATR or different measures for for that um expected return you you generally just use the um the current spot price of the index for that expected return so um basically if the vix is at 32 we expect that the market will be up or down within a 2% range with a 68% probability and then said another way we would expect a gain or a loss of more than 2% every six to seven days. Um, and that's using that standard deviation 16% of the time. So every six to seven days, you would see a move exceeding that 2%, which is super high. A VIX reading of 32 is, is abnormal. Currently we're at 14. And if you're looking for the 30 day move, you just wanna divide by the square root of 12 instead of the square root of 252. Um, and something that, that you can use when you're, when you're doing analysis on charts and looking for entry and exit points is you can actually use the VIX levels to reduce or add exposure to the index by using trend, li trend lines on the VIX chart itself. And on MarketSmith, you can do a comparison chart and see it pretty clearly because on line charts, it's, it's just a little easier to measure. And if you plot that comparison chart of the VIX and, and SPX, you can see inflection points that correspond to extreme levels on the VIX. And that's more, most useful when, when you're sort of in no man's land on the index and you don't really have strong support or resistance levels. You can actually use the VIX as areas where you may want to add or reduce exposure. Um, so, so yeah, here um, you can see pretty clearly the, these extreme readings correspond to either highs or lows on, on the index itself. Uh, going back to October, you can see where the, where the index bottomed, the VIX was at extreme highs, and then we came down and the VIX was at lows, formed a little local top, and so on and so forth. So you can play around with that and see, but it's, it, it, it corresponds, uh, it's got an inverse relationship. So currently we're at extreme lows on the VIX, not saying it'll necessarily happen, but usually when you get to extreme levels, it, it, it does uh, mark uh, an inflection point. And something that I've heard a lot of people talk about um, is that the VIX appears to be broken. Uh, it, it's not working as it usually does. And there are some theories as to why that's happening. And one theory as to why the VIX has been suppressed is that You've got, you've got the introduction of, of zero days to expiration options. And it's not, it's not so much the introduction of it because they, they were introduced over a year and a half ago, but it's, it's the, the widespread use of them and, and how much volume is, is being taken away from these 30 day to expiration options or, or longer dated options versus these zero day intraday options trades. And just for reference, last year at the beginning of 2022, these zero data expiration options accounted for around 22% of all SPX linked options activity. And today it's north of 56%. So what happens when you've got all of that volume moving towards moving away from these 30 data expiration options to the zero data expiration, you, you have less demand for these longer dated options. And that obviously less demand will reduce the vol the implied volatility of those options because implied volatility is based on on supply and demand, and 
that can suppress the VIX. So I, I haven't really seen any concrete evidence of that. And there, there are a few studies. I haven't seen a lot that, that really conclude that, but that's sort of a theory that would make sense. And uh, perhaps the volatility index still works, but it's now the, the levels are, it's just the, the, the mean reverting level will be lower than, than in historical periods. Good stuff, Mike. And I, I think I, what I really like best about what you discussed is that rule of 16, where you just take where the VIX is at, divide it by 16, and uh, compare that to what the market's doing. This, and you know that rule itself explains why, in my opinion, the VIX really isn't broken. When you were seeing back here where it was at 35 during the bear market, the the daily volatility S&P 500, <clears throat> excuse me, it was moving two to two and a half percent a day. Take a look at where it is now, 14, 15, 16, divide that by 16, and and it's confirmed the the, the volatility S&P 500 is now under 1% daily. In fact, it just recently hit a low 0.94%. We track this in-house a lot because decreasing volatility on the S&P is a bullish sign. Increasing volatility is bearish. So that rule of 16, uh, is keeping right in line with what we're seeing on the decreased daily range of the S&P 500. Can I, can I, can I add one? I, I want to repeat. No, what sorry, I, Dan. I, I want to repeat kidding. what you think I said in, in plain English for our listen. And I want to, so volatility is higher during bear markets. During bear markets, you get higher volatility and you get because the market sells off a lot faster than it goes up. And then you've got bear market rallies that are short two, three week rallies or even a month rally that are some of the strongest rallies. The strongest rallies, short term rallies occur in bear markets. So the volatility increases a lot and they it goes down in a bear market. That also kind of follows with that stat, Don, that you like to throw out that the average return in a bear market on the S&P is what, negative 2.6%, something like that. But in a bull market, it's positive 0.8%. So it goes up less, it's incrementally less, but and also bull markets tend to last longer, bear markets are shorter because they sell off much quicker. You heard the old adage, it's an elevator down and an escalator up. So those that volatility index kind of confirms everything we're saying. Yeah, and it, and it also reinforces that anybody that uh, the buy and hold crowd likes to put out that stat that if you miss the 10 best days in the market, you, all your returns are gone. That's just a scam because those best days normally occur during bear markets. It's just that if you look a day forward or a day behind, that, that's being sandwiched by, by uh, 2%, 3% losses. So they never mention the losses part of it. They only uh, try to sell well, I love snake oil of being out of the market. I love the study that guy did, Don, where he 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 got so sick of that stupid story that he actually did a study where if you miss the ten worst days of the market instead of yes. the ten best days, and the returns turned out to be a lot better than missing the ten worst days. I mean, I mean the ten yep. best days, right? And then he did one where if you miss the ten on both sides, worst and best, and that one fell in the middle. So right. anyway, it, it's just marketing. All right, uh, let's move on to Ted. Ted, are you there? We've got an interesting yeah, setup yeah. here today. Ted, Ted and Connor have moved to St. Augustine and we're actually sharing an office, my home office, but uh, the way we do these uh, podcasts are really set up for being remote. 
So they left left the office and are scattered around my house. And uh, there were echoes. Yeah, so there were we echoes. So we don't get the microphone feedback, right? Yeah, but so, you got a pretty cool. Uh, and, you got you got a pretty cool command center, though, man. You got the Revere Asset uh, Market Intelligent Command Center sure. right there, man. It's your office yeah, with like, computers and monitors everywhere and it, charts. It's like one giant monitor. Yeah, we. <laughs> we uh, off to a good, uh, off to a great uh, first week with these. So guys, they too. had to go out by up your in, pool, in don't they? Where did they go? What rooms? Uh, one, I, one of them, I don't know. One was uh, in the dining room, and one was uh, out back near the pool at the table. So we'll see where what their background is. But Ted, you want to take it away first? Yeah, yeah. Um, so with the market showing signs of broadening, just wanted to provide more evidence through breadth charts as well as discuss some uh, sentiment readings. So Don, can you pull up the New York Stock Exchange? Net highs and lows first. Yeah, there's ten of these. I'm uh, gonna have to uh, scroll through them to find exactly yeah, no. which one you want. So, um, okay, which one were you were you wanting to show first? Short stock exchange net highs and lows. Should be the first. How about one. if we go in order of what I have and you comment yeah, uh, sure. on what I'm sure. showing? Here's yeah, so the uh, S&P 500 so, stocks above the 200 day. Yeah. So the S&P 500 and NASDAQ stocks above the 200 day as well as 50 day are both increasing as the indices move higher, which it just shows that more and more stocks are participating. Um, there's not much else to comment on that. I'm just kind of simply giving more evidence that the markets are broadening. So the NYSE and NASDAQ both are stuck and oversold, but like during the bear overbought. to bull market transition often i mean sorry overbought but often during a bear to bull market transition we do stay overbought and actually if the longer we stay overbought the more positive or strong the potential bull, bull market will be and so there are the charts on the screen nasdaq also started seeing net highs but we still haven't had a recording of um bear market highs yet. And then if you were to flip to the New York Stock Exchange, yesterday, when these pictures were taken, we put an all-time, I mean, not all-time, a bear market um, net high print of over 200. And so that's definitely a positive indication that more and more stocks are making new 52-week highs and that more stocks are participating in this rally. Um, the other chart that you brought up, the New York Stock Exchange cumulative, I think like nine months ago, I, I did a little talk on Stan Weinstein's stage analysis. I was talking to Don in the office, and we, we kind of noticed that we could, we could potentially apply this here. As you can see, the stage two uptrend during that 2020-2021 run, stage three top. And then last year, we had that stage four decline in net lows. And now we've been basing for, this, for the first half of this year, and now we're starting to poke our heads above that 50-day moving average line. So um, if you want to review this, I think we did the podcast around like October or November. And I think it's definitely a good listen. And so now the other chart you brought up was the advanced decline line of the S&P 500. And that just hit a new high. So again, stocks are participating and the rallies is beginning to broaden. And then if you're to go to the sentiment readings, just like how I talked about on the Nizzy and Nazi that we, we're, we're stuck and overbought, persistent bullishness as we transition from a bear to a potential bull is also a very positive indication. It just means that people, uh, 
institutional money is flooding into stocks, and the more persistent this is, the, the better the, the better the potential of a new bull um, run in the future. And same with the fear and greed here. Um, we are at the most overbought or most bullish territory all of this bear market, and we'll just have to see if we can stay overbought here and overly bear overly bullish. All right. Thanks, Ted. Appreciate that. Important to point out that these are secondary indicators and we don't make decisions based solely off of this. We look to them for uh, confirmation of what we're seeing in price volume and relative strength. And when they start to diverge from what we're seeing, we're, we're very clearly taking note so that if price and volume and relative strength start to fall in line with what the secondary indicators are showing, then it's confirmation of a possible change to what we've been seeing. Uh, Connor, you're gonna do a follow-up on some things that you talked about in a prior podcast? Yeah, so about two weeks ago, I talked about three, three specific names with some entry tactics for add-ons and or just getting in after a power earnings gap move. And I kind of just wanted to come back and see how they performed. So one of the names I mentioned was Celsius. This one was a power earnings gap on huge volume, and I highlighted the entry off the 21 EMA. And at the time of the podcast, when I mentioned it, Celsius was trading around uh, 135, um, and yesterday it closed around 144. So that equated to a little bit over a 5% gain. But if you just look at this action, I mean, it's been really good post uh, pullback. After it pulled back, it bounced hard, and it's just been respecting the eight as it moves higher. Um, so, like I said, that could have been an add point if you hadn't been already in, or um, yeah. And then, like Don mentioned earlier, um, we utilized the sixty-minute so cross back yesterday to get a um, a good risk entry in a leader if you want to add and put some more skin in the game there. So you can use both of those. Uh, the next one is Uber. I mentioned Uber. That was another one post earnings gap off the 21. And that one had a very strong day yesterday. Around where I mentioned it on the podcast, it was trading around 38 range. Um, and as you can see, after the bounce, it's acted really well. And especially yesterday, it had a huge volume up day. And Uber's about up a little over 10% from that. And if you were able to sneak an entry in on the gap, you're up even more. Um, and even today, it's pulling, it's it's resting today on low volume, which is good. That's what you want to see after a stock moves up over 5% yesterday on strong volume. And then one that really hasn't done much that I mentioned was DraftKings. And, and that really wasn't an A-plus when you look back at the daily chart because every time it bounces off the 21, it usually comes back and... And this one specifically as, as a character change versus Celsius and Uber, because you see every time it gets up into that 26, 27 overhead, it pulls back. So that one would have worked if you're looking for just a quick trade off the 21. But if you're looking to position into that one, this chart shows that if you want to trade this, you can buy off the 21 and sell into that resistance. So... Yeah, I thought it was cool to look back on how these three names have performed after describing the setup because I think, I mean, I could go through a ton of other names that 
have done well off this setup and and it's always about finding what works in the current market and this is something that has been working in the current market so continue to monitor these setups and and screen daily for them so that's that's how those three have done the past uh week week and a half Yep. Thanks, Connor. We're big proponents of looking for those monster earnings gaps. And when you're in the right market, you can definitely see the follow through uh, that uh, an alpha versus the overall market. And how can you tell if you're having alpha versus the overall market, the relative strength line? Dan, that's going to wrap it. Uh, Hope everybody enjoyed the wind chimes during Connor's. That was that was Connor's, Connor's market zen, man. Connor's market <laughs> zen, market zen uh, segment. I like that. That's going to make the show notes. Right. I think. Yeah. I th and and um, and um, by the way, you know when Ted was commenting on the overbought and oversold indicators, it's it's real important to understand that overbought and oversold work really really well in trends. I mean, I'm sorry, in, 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 a, in, a, in a sideways or channel market, a range-bound market. But once it breaks out and it's hitting a really, really strong trend, it can just become more overbought or oversold. And that's kind of what they're alluding to. And by the way, just like moving averages, if a, stock, if, if a, if a price gets too far above the moving average, two things can happen. It can bring the, price, the stock can come down or the moving average can get pulled up. So it's possible the markets, uh, the stocks could move sideways or even continue higher. And it could bring, it could pull the oscillating indicators up. It could pull the over, it can keep going overbought or oversold. So that's why you got to determine which market you're in and then have a good strategy around that. Folks, listen, have a wonderful three-day Juneteenth weekend. Um, um, please be safe. And if you like what you heard, please tell a friend, tell a neighbor, just send them to revereasset.com. Tell them in the upper right-hand corner, there's a subscribe button they can put in their email. We'll deliver this free market podcast in their inbox on Saturday morning. Or if you go to YouTube and you just type in Revere Asset, just Revere Asset in the search button, and you hit subscribe, Zach will probably have this out on YouTube within an hour. It's, it's not even 12 noon here, Central Time. So it'll be posted probably about one Central Time before the market, a couple hours before the market's closed, versus if you get it in our newsletter, it'll be tomorrow morning. Also, Don does a daily market insights video, tomorrow's insights. Every evening, the market is open. That'll get delivered directly into your inbox. Next to that is a contact button. Like I said, if you want to just reach out and say, hey, uh, what do you think of this stock? Or or I'd like this comment, or you just, or I'd like you to talk about this topic, or you just want a, a free complimentary portfolio review, uh, just reach out to us. You can email any of us at dan at revereasset.com, don at revereasset.com, michael, ted, or connor at revereasset.com. And you can certainly call us old school at 855-REAL-WEALTH. We'll talk to you next week on Your Money. It's not how much you make in the market, it's how much of that you can keep.
Your Money Radio podcast covers general topics and investment ideas for research. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be investment advice. If you want or need investment advice, contact your own advisors or reach out to Revere Asset Management for individual investment advice. For more information, just go to revereasset.com.